All right, you can be seated. Good to see you today. I think you came to worship. What do you think? Amen. All right. Well, you know, um, I've, I've really been really praying into and reading a lot about the Underground Church in preparation for this event we have coming up uh, in about a week and a half, two weeks. And it just took me back. It took me back to when I first came to faith in Christ. And I remember reading the New Testament, and, and it was so real and so powerful and I was so present in it that it, it just, when I read about Jesus going and ministering to people and watching the miracles and all those things, I was there. And I, and I just felt it. Do you remember that, those moments early in your Christian faith where it was just so real and so dynamic and so powerful and every page was like, what's on the next page? I can't wait, wait to read the next page, the next page. And, you know, just see the revelation of God. And then, and then begin to experience and know the power of the Spirit of God. And you know, those early days, you can't bring those back, but you can bring back the freshness of the daily walk with God, amen? That you can walk and live in the power of the Spirit every day of your life. But you have to cultivate, you have to renew that, you have to stir up the fire a little bit in your heart to, in order to do that. And uh, when, I was, uh, when I was reading, I, I came across this quote from David Livingstone. And he said this, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? We're not sacrificing to follow Jesus. It's an honor to follow Jesus. Sometimes we think we're giving up so much, we've given up nothing. When I, and I read the accounts of what's happening you know, worldwide and, and outside of our country, the, the persecution, about 100,000 Christians are martyred for their faith somewhere in the world every single year. So just think about that. In the last 10 years, 1.2 million Christians have refused to bow the knee to Christ or uh, to Allah and, or some other God and, and said, Jesus is Lord, and they, it cost them their life. I mean, does that move you? I mean, it, it's just like, how do I get my hands around that when I have so much freedom and I exercise so little pursuit of God? I mean, think about it. So much freedom gives me license to not follow God. And, and, and somehow I, I can justify in my mind because I'm busy. I can justify it because there's always another service. There's always another church. I think God wants to bring us back to the heart of Jesus, the disciple maker. I think he wants to empower us with his spirit and with his word in such a dynamic way that we really are different than the world. We really do stand for Jesus. We really do make a difference in our world, amen? One of the things I, I came across was in China, the underground church operates around five pillars. And I'm gonna walk you through each one of these. The, the first one is they're totally devoted to the word of God. The word of God becomes the devotion of their heart. They read the word of God if they have a copy of it. And if you go to speak there, they might ask you to, to speak for eight hours all day long because the word of God is so scarce. 
And there's a famine in the land for the word, and they say, more, give us more. Just teach us more about the word of God, more about the word of God. And we find ourselves in a, uh, at home having five different versions of Bibles we never pick up. And somehow in our mind, we're just too busy, and we'll get around to that. And, and after all, you've already know a lot, so why do you really need to read any more anyway? And yet think about if, if you had no opportunity for the Word of God, how hungry would you be for the Word of God? You know, the psalmist cried out. He said, thy words have been my, my only nourishment day and night. I, I, I long for your tears are streaming down my face, and I long and my heart pants after you like the deer pants after the water brook. So pants my heart after you. I want that in my life every day, don't you? I want that hunger. I don't want to be just a Christian. I want to be sold out, Jesus-following believer for God who takes in whatever field that God puts me in in my life, whatever vocation I have, whatever setting I am, I find ways to salt it well with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, and I, and I ask God to give me the wisdom to say, how do I influence my world with your world for the glory of God? Amen? Second thing, deeply devoted to prayer. Deeply devoted to prayer. Not just praying at dinner, trying to hurry up and get through it so we feel Christian obligation is fulfilled, but really seeking the Father. This morning, I woke up about 4 a.m., and I couldn't go back to sleep. I had two choices. One is I can you know, just try to fight it, try to get back. Or the other one, God, I think God's agenda was clear. Just pray. You know, and prayer, if you've ever done this, you know that sometimes if you just start praying, you'll go to sleep. Have you ever noticed that? So it becomes your strategy to get back in you know, to the Inner Spring Mattress Church. And, and, and so you're there and you're just praying and, and I'm praying like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm going like, this is not working, God. He says, I know, we have to talk. Right? We need to talk. And because God has an agenda for us. God is putting us on a road toward him so that we understand and know him better and better, and sometimes we fight it. No, no, not now, no, not now, God, not now. Can we just catch up later? Put a voicemail in for me, God. I'll listen to it. Third one, expect every believer to be out sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the pillar, the third pillar in the underground church. Every believer is expected to share their faith, and remember, in that context, it could mean your life. The law in China is no one under 18 can go to church. See, they're smart enough to know that if you begin to understand about God early, it's gonna carry with you down the road. But guess what? Some 91 million followers of Jesus Christ are part of the church in China. 91 million. You know what that means? That means there's more Christians in China than there is in America. Is that a reality check? That we have some catching up to do, and I think part of it is we have so much freedom that we don't exercise any discipline in pursuing Jesus with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, like he told us to follow him. And that call, you know it's there. I mean, you just read the Bible. It's just not gentle. Have you ever noticed that about the Bible? You just kind of expect it to be like a fairy tale and, in the background are birds whistling. 
Jesus, lover of my soul. And then all of a sudden he goes, no, no, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring war. Jesus, not the American Jesus. He came to placate and kind of be nice to everybody, didn't he? And just kind of, you know, oh, I understand. Yes, put your arms around everybody and love everybody and, and embrace every religion and every th- philosophy. Of, no, 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 it's not. This is an unsafe book. It's unsafe. It's funny how, um, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll try to guide our children so that they don't watch certain television shows. Go read the Bible. Hey, this is the most violent book in the world. I mean, Jesus is coming back. Revelation chapter 19, he's coming to clean up everything. There's a big battle called Armageddon. These are not safe books. Because he, he brings us to the reality of the battle we're in is not physical and natural. It's spiritual and eternal. That the stakes are so high that if we don't get it right, someone misses heaven. We got to get it right. Amen? We got to get right in our life. We got to get the message out there because there's so much at stake. Sometimes we say, well, I don't really know how to share my faith like that. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something really simple. I hope you'll write this down and, and begin to use it. I'm going to try to show you how this works. Some of you are familiar with it. It's called a Roman road. And Roman road is basically based on the book of Romans. And so what you do is you take key verses in the book of Romans and then you can open up to that one passage and you can begin to tell someone, see, this is what it says, turn to the next one, this is what it says, and then this is how you come to find Christ. Okay, so let me just walk you through it, show you how you can use it. So in Romans 3.23, it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we have to start with the idea we're not perfect. Anybody here agree with that one? You got that one, right? Okay, we're not perfect. And what sin is, it's violating what God has revealed. That's what sin is. God says, do this, and I say, I didn't do that. I'm not doing that. People say, well, I live by the Ten Commandments. No, you don't. The minute you read them, you've already violated four or five of them. Put God first. I haven't been doing that. There's one down. You get down to like two commandments. And remember, they're commandments, not suggestions. So when he puts them out there, he says, why do you give me commandments I cannot keep? Because I want you to know that you are not perfect. You're separated from me. If you get that piece right, we can move to the next piece. Now let me tell you something about those sins you commit. The wages of sin, you get paid for sin. God says, I'm paying it out. The wages of sin is death. It's death. I don't think I like those wages. But look what it says. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God says, I know you don't like the penalty and you don't know how to pay the penalty, but what I'm gonna do is I'm going to, and I'll show you in just a minute, I'm gonna excuse that penalty and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you a gift. I'm gonna give you the gift of eternal life. So now I turn in my Bible. So if I'm, if I'm doing, if I have my physical Bible out, I write in the, in the margin of my Bible in Romans 3.23, I write in there 6.23. So now I only have to remember one verse. I'm in 323, I flip it over to 623, and in that margin I write 5.8. So now we're gonna go to Romans chapter five and verse eight. And it says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God said, 
I'm not gonna just tell you I love you, I'm gonna demonstrate that I love you. I'm gonna die for you. Well, why do I need to, why do you need to do that? Because the wages of sin is death. It's either gonna be you or me. Who, who do you wanna go? The problem is if you die for your sins, because you're imperfect, you're not qualified to take the sins away. So we're, you're still in your sins. In other words, you died a meaningless death. Jesus died a purposeful death because he died on the cross for the removal of sins, and it didn't stop there. Then he went into the tomb, and guess what happened? Three days later, he was risen for life. Had he not risen, he would have died for your sins, penalty gone, but no new life given. New life came through the resurrection. You need the death, burial, and resurrection. So now, in the margin of your Bible, Romans chapter five and verse eight, you're gonna put Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10. So 10, nine, and 10. Are you all with me on this one? This is a really good tool. A lot of you are listening going, yeah, I remember that. Okay. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you might be saved. What does it say? What? You will be saved. You know, that's a promise. You see the promise of God? It's not you might be saved, you will be saved. Well, see, you say, well, how do I know if I'm saved? Well, did you do that? Did God come in your life? Was your life changed? Were you transformed? Did you, you know, I don't mean you're perfect. I mean, you know, no, wow, something happened to me. I'm not sure what it was, but, but I did that. And it says, for with, one, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Not your righteousness, his righteousness, his goodness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So now when I confess, am I a believer? Yes, I'm giving testimony that I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans Road. So you sit down with someone and say, hey, have you ever heard of the Romans Road? They go, no, what's that? Oh, let me just show you. Five quick verses, four quick verses. Let me just walk you through the Romans Road. And then you come to the end of that and you go, is there anything that would keep you from praying a prayer to receive Christ right now? Never ask people, do you want to be saved? They go, I don't know what that is. No. No, is there any good reason why you wouldn't want to put your and trust your heart into the heart of Almighty God right now and, and know for certain that you're going to heaven? I mean, is there any reason? And when I ask it that way, very few people have ever told me no. They go, yeah, I'm in. I'm, in. I'm ready to go. Fourth pillar, underground church, embrace miracles. Embrace miracles. The idea is there's an expectation of miracles that are, that are going to take place. If you live as a Christian without the expectation of miracles, you're living below the line where God wants you to live. God is a miracle-working God. He hasn't changed He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God who worked miracles yesterday is a God who will work miracles today. He'll work miracles tomorrow, amen? And so what we do, we just go and expecting God to work a miracle. Well, what if he doesn't? We just keep expecting God to work a miracle. Well, what if I'm frustrated? I expect God to work a miracle. Sometimes I have to remind him of his word. God, I just wanna remind you, you told me to do this. You got me in this thing with the promise of miracles, so I'm standing on the miracles of God. Amen? All right, I want you fired up today. Can you be fired up today? All right, that's better. Okay, next one. You're gonna love this next one. Are you ready? 
embrace suffering for the glory of Christ. Hey, that's one of the pillars in the, in the underground church. Now look, if there's a bus out front and it has destination on it, suffering, I ain't getting on it. How about you? Are you with me? That's not the bus I want to get on. But when suffering comes for the cause of Christ, not because I was dumb, there is a difference. Can, we, can I get an amen on that one? There's a difference, all right? Okay, so I embrace suffering. Wow, I'm suffering because I'm counted worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ. Then I, that, I'm gonna embrace that. I'm gonna embrace that. Whenever we, whenever we find the church historically going through difficult, persecuted times, it only gets stronger, not weaker. So some people go, well, have you heard about, you know, House Bill number 4261, 3241? It got slipped into the legislature. Nothing gets slipped in. Nothing gets slipped in. Every, everything is intentional. When there's, when there's anti-Christ legislation coming into place, it's because the enemy is, thinks he's winning by working against the church. All he does is strengthen the church. It's the best thing for us. They say, well, I'm just so afraid they're gonna take away our tax, tax benefits. Me too. Me too. But guess what? We'll just get stronger. You just get stronger. Hey, remember when you were a kid, somebody pushed you down? The time you got back up, you got stronger. You didn't push me next time. You may beat me up, but I'm coming at you. See, when the devil pushes you down, you say, I, I ain't, you ain't doing that again. I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up. I'm coming at you. Amen? You remember those? Remember, I don't know if they still have these. They used to have these blow-up clown things, and they were weighted at the bottom, remember? And you could punch them, and they'd come back at you. That's you. Man, you bam, 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 bam. I'm coming at you. I got a big smile on my face. That big, big clown smile and give it to the devil. Amen? All right, let me tell you about this event a little bit. We have coming up here on Friday. We've got a slide. We can show you a few of the details. I want to walk you through what's going to happen here. So this series we've been in is on, uh, on kingdom discipleship. It's based on this workbook that I did. And what we're going to do on Friday night is we're going to do a training session that's also experiential. So we're going to train you how to be a discipler, but we're also going to give you an underground church experience we're limiting the size of this to about 100 people, so it may already be full for all I know. You can register on your app online. Um, you can probably go out here and they can help you at Link Central. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with 545, a house of prayer. And what that means is we're going to sing and worship and just get our hearts right with God for an hour. If you can't come from the whole, for the whole part because you work, say, hey, I can't get there till 6.30, then come at 6.30, okay? So it's not like the doors are closed at that moment. Okay, opening session, and then from, now you'll notice there's an asterisk there. That means it's optional. Because sometimes people look at this and they don't really read it. See the note at the bottom. Asterisk, these are optional sessions designed to enhance your experience and your encounter with the Holy Spirit. Optional. Say optional. Good. All right, seven to nine, Level one, level one training means we're gonna give you all the basics on how to, how to work through the, the workbook, how to train someone, and then from nine to 10.30, yes, there is an asterisk by that, because right now some wife just said to her husband, I can't stay till 10.30. You don't have to. 
It's optional. Okay. So what's going to happen there, we're going to take it to another level. And it's really going to be a great experience. We've really taken some time to put some elements together on this to make it realistic. We're going to be on the loading dock. Uh, we'll ask you to enter by the back. If you're late, you'll be interrogated. This is true. We're going to go ahead, and if you're late coming in, then we're going to have some people there. They're going to ask your testimony. You're going to have to give a, uh, a, a, your testimony of faith in Christ to make sure that we're, we're really safe. You're really safe. We're letting you in the building. Okay? So I think that it's, we're going to, again, we're going to try to reenact as much as we can given what we have here so that you walk away with something you, you learn here but you experience, and then uh, we, we pray that you're going to have a mighty encounter with the Holy Spirit as well. We've got some cool stuff set up for that. All right, let me take you to the Word of God now. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to his, uh, his disciples, now remember, put yourself in this place. He's looking at them, and he says this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Ouch. That's kind of getting up in my business, isn't it? Deny himself. No, no, you don't understand. We live in the day of selfies. It's all about self. Right? Timothy wrote in chapter 3, verse 1, he said, in the last days, men will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. Hey, somebody takes a group photo, and I'm in it. I ain't looking at nobody but me. You know what I'm talking about? Do I look good in that picture? My wife says, Tammy, take another one. I don't look good. She says, I look fine. You look fine. Nobody's going to look at you anyway. Just don't worry about it. But we are. We're, we're obsessed with this idea. He said, no, if you're going to follow me, you've got to learn how to put self down and in its right place. Then you've got to take up your cross, which is something you die on, not just carry. Take up your cross and then follow me. Before you can follow me, you've got to, what? Deny yourself and take up your cross. And then it says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whenever I try to hold on to something, I don't care what it is, too tightly, I lose it. He says, no, don't hold so tight, release, and let me take over in your life. But whoever loses his life for my sake, uh, guess what? He will find it. For what is it? what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What if you get to the end of life somewhere, or, or even right now in your life, and you go, look, I've amassed a, a pretty good little nest egg here. I've got a lot of assets, got a lot of things going on here. But what, what does it mean for you if you're not a Christian and you forfeit your soul? But what does it mean for you if you're a Christian and God sends leanness to your soul? Oh, you're saved, you're going to heaven, but your soul is lean, it's not vibrant, it's not powerful, and it, it, it just, you feel a little hollow. Well, you know, that's just not a good place to be. So it says, and, and what would a man give in exchange for a soul? What would you give for your eternal soul? Say, I want all the riches in the world and I'll give you my soul. And you would lose. You'd be, you'd be in deficit, wouldn't you? Because this is the most powerful and precious thing you have is your eternal soul. When we talk about uh, discipleship, and let me just walk you through. This is in the notebook. I'll be a part of the training. There's seven stages of biblical uh, discipleship, and let me just walk you through these quickly. The first one is repentance and faith. And so the first place we get to is we have to repent that is, turn away from our sin, and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we become a Christian, as we start walking with him and reading the word of God and getting around other believers, we come to understand enlightenment. That is, who this God is, this Jesus is really God. I mean, wow. It's kind of like last week when we talked about the, you know, when 
when uh, Jesus fell asleep in the boat and the disciples woke him up because they were going to perish, and all of a sudden he speaks to the wind of the waves, he silences them down, and he goes, and they go, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? This is God in the boat. And then next one is participation in ministry. You begin to, 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 to engage in, in ministry, and we want you all to be engaged in discipleship. I want every person here to be a trained discipler. That's my goal. And uh, that you're, then you can take somebody one-on-one and disciple them as well. Uh, next one is development of leadership. As you start to participate in ministry, your leadership level goes up, and you begin to have new qualities of that. And guess what? What Jesus did for the disciples, he began to take them to the next level. So he gets Peter, James, and John. He sees these guys are rising to the top. He takes them up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17, and he lets them see this vision of the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's a pretty good leadership training moment, right? But then he says, guys, we're not done there because we've got to consecrate, reevaluate, and separate. This is where most people in this room are at right now. You've done a little bit of ministry. You've had a little bit of leadership in there. But every one of us, every one of us, bar none, me, you, everybody, we have to reevaluate where we are with God every day. Hey, I love God, but I can, I, can, I can miss it a few times. You know what I mean? I can fall out of love momentarily with God. And I don't like to admit that, but it's true. I, I want to be in that vibrant place, so I have to go back and go, I'm going to reevaluate, and I'm going to separate myself from some things that aren't helping me in my Christian life. Amen? All right, next. Responsibility of leadership. So here's the Apostle Peter. He's failed miserably. He's denied he knows the Lord. And all of a sudden, guess who gets to preach on Pentecost? It's Peter. Because out of the three, he rises to the top. Peter, you get up. You're going to preach. He looks out over this crowd. He's recently denied that he knows the Lord, the same crowd. He says, oh, men of Israel, listen, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. And they said, the scripture says, and they were pierced to their heart. What do we do? What do we do? Repent and turn to the Lord. And then Peter, even Peter, had to get, go further from that. He had to go to world vision. He was, he was content somehow that he could minister to the Jews, and then he showed him the Gentiles. He says, no, you have to go in all the world. You might be content where you are, but you have to, you have, to have a heart for somebody else too, and they live outside of your zip code. They live outside of your country. When I think about the, about the underground church, have you ever stopped just to pray and say, God, I gotta pray for them? God, I want to engage in that. I've got to get involved in that. You know, my brother Tom Taylor over here, he, he was in an underground church in China and, uh, and in North Korea. And he, he, I'm, I'm going to tell the story. I didn't get permission, but I don't really care right now, Tom. Because <laughs> you already went public with it. But he said he, he was over there and he had this new phone, kind of latest technology phone, and he was showing it to this girl um, in this underground church. And he was like, you know, wanted to see what the new technology was and how cool this was, Right. And she said, I don't care about that. My father's been in prison for 14 years for his faith. I bet you didn't show your phone to anybody else again, did you, Tom? Think of that lesson. What you celebrate, other people don't care about because what they care about is beyond earthly celebration. It's eternal stuff. And so what we gotta do is go back to the, the things that really count. And remember, the church, we're talking about unstoppable here. The church is unstoppable. Let me say it again, maybe you'll get excited. The church is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. 
It's not going to get killed by Satan. Government cannot put it out. China is so frustrated. What do we do with 91 million Christians hiding, praying? We, we threaten to kill them, and they don't care. What do you do with that? That's how you overthrow regimes and governments. That's why it's so feared. That's why they crucified Jesus, because they were so fearing that he would be a revolutionary and overthrow the, empower, the imperial power of Rome. Think about that. Look what he says here. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me try it again. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Do you realize that he said the gates of hell aren't going to prevail, but I'm giving you keys so you can go in and unlock the gates and bring people out of lostness into life. You can open the gates of hell, swing it open, and scare all of Satan and his demons to death because you've got the power of God living in you. Amen? When I was in grade school, my favorite teacher was not a teacher, it was actually the custodian in the public school system I was in. His name was Mr. Snyder, and I loved him. He spelled his name differently than you, Pastor Nate. And, uh, but anyway, I loved him because, you know, he just, he had all the keys to all the rooms. And my favorite room was the eraser cleaning room. Yes, they used to have erasers in the, when the earth was cooling. And and I, and I got close to, to Mr. Snyder, and he'd let me go in there and clean erasers. And it was this like little machine, and, and it would just spin around. You put the, the eraser on it, just, and it had a vacuum, just suck all the dust right off that thing. And we used to see how long we could put our hand on there before it would bleed. I mean, it would just, you know, when you're, when you're kids, you have fun like that. So anyway, but Mr. S let me tell you about Mr. Snyder. He had all the keys, but he had swag. You know what swag is? You may not know what it is, but you know when you see it. And Mr. Snyder, he'd walk down the hall, and he had swag. He's like, but Mr. Snyder added something to swag. Mr. Snyder walking down, he, he had that big ring of keys, and he'd just kind of flick them with his, and we'd hear it. It goes, Mr. Snyder. <laughs> Mr. Snyder got, he got swag. Hey, you know what I see? I see a heavenly hallway with Jesus walking down it. And Jesus has got swag, amen? And he's coming down the hallway, and every once in a while, he just kind of flicks the keys to the kingdom. He says, oh, I got swag. I got, hey, guess what? I'm sharing my keys with you. So it's not one key. It's multiple keys. One key is going to unlock the gates of hell so you can scare hell, rescue the perishing, amen? You got another key. It's the kingdom. It's the key to the, the kingdom of God, and you unlock the mysteries of God when you read the word of God, and there's all these keys, and he says, you know what? I want to remind you who you are and what you have, and guess what? In the process, whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You see, what I found out is that what Jesus builds, it endures. What I build, it fails, what Jesus builds endures, and that hell is powerless against the church. When you start believing that, you'll start behaving that. Amen? 
Yeah, no, you're not going out like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm just a Christian. No, you're a son and a daughter of the living God. You are made in the image of God, which infuriates Satan because you're made in the image of God. And he's trying to get you to to mar that image in you by self-destruction, by inferiority, by, by discounting you or somebody else so that the image doesn't look right. No, you just go back. No, I am made in the image of God. All the power of God has been in, in, infused into me, and I walk in his power, and the keys of the kingdom are in our hands. He doesn't have keys to his own house. That was better than that. He doesn't have keys to his own house. Amen? You see, when you think about the church, the, the, the church is the body of Christ, It's the body of Christ. It's victorious. It's glorious. We have the word of God. We stand against, victoriously against the powers of all the darkness. We are clothed in robes of righteousness. Amen? Death has no power over us. We walk in resurrection power. We we are triumphant in the battles we go into, and no weapon formed against us will stand. Can I get an amen on that one? We hold up the shield of faith. We use the sword of the Spirit. We are the church. We're not perfect, but we are forgiven. Amen? And when we, when we understand that we are forgiven, we can forgive others. And when we don't forgive others, we, we, we shortcut the power in us. You see, the church is unstoppable, but Christians are unstoppable. Let me talk a little bit about the unstoppable Christian. 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard from me Now, let's just diagram this out. This is Paul. He's writing the letter. He's writing to a guy named Timothy. We'll call Tim here today. That's what all his friends called him. Okay, he's writing to Timothy, and look what he says. The things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. So he says, all right, I want you to find people that are faithful. You see, discipleship isn't a way to fix somebody that has a problem and doesn't want to follow God. Discipleship is a way to take and reproduce in, in that individual your life of God so that they can reproduce in others. Because look what it says. And these, they can in, in, uh, invest in other people as well. So this thing goes on like this. And you say, well, wow, this, is, this could get really big pretty quick. Yeah, in under 100 years, if, everybody, if every Christian was faithful, actually you could start with 12. Start with 12. If every of those 12 were faithful every six months to lead someone to Christ, disciple of them, and all of their disciples were faithful to do the same thing, I think uh, in just under 100 years, every person on planet Earth would be a Christian. So let me give you, let me, let me make it really simple because that's not gonna happen because not everybody's gonna do that. But let me ask you, What would happen if you said, my one-year goal every year the rest of my life is to do this? I want to find someone who's either not living for God or not saved, bring them into a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, disciple them in such a way that they would do the same to someone else. Now, it's not a hard goal. It's one person per year. You calculate how long you think you're going to live. Okay, you're going to live another 70 years? Okay, great. You got 70 people who, have, who are gonna multiply in the life of other people. Now think about that. Think, I mean, you want something to go Tarzan on. Wow, I got, I got 70 people in the kingdom discipling other people. This is a really good thing. This is, a, this is something I can track in my life. 
Some things are so, so, you know, so hard to track in terms of my spiritual advancement, I don't even know what to do with it. But listen to what else he says. It says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier, a soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The farmer must also be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, the Lord may give you understanding in all things. So what is he saying to us? He says, first of all, be strong in the grace that's in Jesus Christ. Secondly, multiply your faith in other people. Stay on course. Seek understanding from the Lord. Amen?